This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's kind of a half-hearted thanks be to God. I have to confess, um, this uh, title of today's message is kind of a bait and switch. Um, I, I apologize because what I titled the message is Love and Marriage, but as you've heard, what Jesus wants to talk about is lust and divorce. See, that's why Jesus is such an awesome preacher. Jesus is willing to take on the hard topics. Jesus will go places that preachers are afraid to go. Five years ago, I was preaching through the Gospel of Matthew, and I was looking a couple of weeks ahead, and I saw that this passage was coming up, and I convinced myself that I wasn't mature enough as a preacher to be ready to tackle this topic, and maybe I never will be. And so I jumped in front of Jesus. I I saw an occasion, the, there was a church uh, church uh, seasonal thing was going on, and, and I was able to kind of divert the, the progress of our course through the scriptures, and I went in a different direction. And uh, when I did so, I blocked Jesus. And, and um, I told my congregation, there's nothing to see here. Let's move along. And maybe that was the right thing then, but... By doing so, I kept my congregation from hearing good news. And Jesus has good news, even in this passage. What Jesus says, however, flies in the face of our culture. Jesus is countercultural to the bone. We have been in this conversation about the Sermon on the Mount, this talk where Jesus takes the Old Testament law and he says, he says, oh, it's not nearly as easy as you think it is. He turns the knob on the Old Testament, the Old Testament law all the way to 11. He says, you have heard that it was this hard, but it's much, much harder than that. He says, you have heard it said, but I tell you six times, Jesus takes a hard topic and makes it much more difficult. And there is no topic more difficult than the one we're talking about today. Our culture tells us, really, it's none of Jesus' business, that these things are private, that these are personal matters, and that people should deal with them in their own way. And if they get them wrong, well, it's no big deal that, that sexuality and relationships are personal and private. And you should do whatever works for you. But Jesus wades into the conversation. Jesus gets into our business. Jesus says, no, listen to me. As you think about Christians you've known, there are some in this room, as you think about Christians, maybe the image that conjures up in your head is somebody who's always in your business, somebody who's shouting slogans and poking his finger in your chest and telling you how to live your life. But in my experience, honestly, for every Christian like that, there's five or ten who won't say a word, who who will maybe, maybe behind your back, they'll say, oh, I don't know, I don't know, but it's not my affair. What I've found is that most Christians are like most people, and you can drive your life into the ditch, and they will watch and they won't say anything because they'll tell themselves, I don't approve of what they're doing, but it's really not for me to say. 
And Jesus is not like that. Jesus loves you too much to allow you to drive your life into a ditch and not say anything. So Jesus speaks. Maybe that's the easiest way to tell Jesus truly does love because he's willing to do something difficult and speak. Jesus knows you. Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus knows everything that's good and everything that's not. He knows your habits. He knows your appetites. He knows what's healthy in your appetites, and he knows what's unhealthy in your appetites. He knows what's good, and he knows what's bad. He knows your pride, and he knows your insecurity. He knows your relationships. He knows what's good about them and what's not. He knows how they got that way. Jesus knows your marriage. And for some of you, he knows your previous marriage. He knows why it ended and who was to blame and to what degree. Jesus knows these things. He already knows them. And he loves you. He loves you desperately. And he can't bear to watch you drive into a ditch. So Jesus offers good news. He says, nobody has messed up their life. Nobody has messed up their relationships. Nobody has messed up their sexual expression, gay or straight, so badly that what Jesus offers is not good news. And no one has such a good marriage. No one has such good relationships that Jesus does not offer something better. And in fact, if you peek ahead to the end of this chapter, Jesus tells us what he's after. He says, therefore, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Jesus doesn't want you to have a mediocre relationship. Jesus wants you to have a perfect one. Jesus wants your marriage not to be okay, but to be perfect. So if you have the scriptures, let me ask you to open them to chapter 5, and we'll look at this continuing portion of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, You have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But I say, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says, You're asking the wrong question. You ask, how far can I go and where is the line? You say, how close can I get? Can I flirt? Can I have lunch? Can I have dinner? Where is the line, Jesus? How close can I get and not cross it? Can I surf porn in the basement? Can I read Fifty Shades of None of Your Business? How close can I get? And Jesus says those are the wrong questions. He says, You've heard it said that when you divorce someone to give her a certificate of divorce, but I say whoever divorces her except for unchastity causes her to commit adultery and whoever marries her becomes an adulterer. Jesus says, 
You're asking the wrong questions. That's not how you go about having a perfect marriage. And what I want for you is a perfect marriage. You're asking, how far can I go? And if I decide to go farther, what are the rules that will let me do so? Jesus says that's not what God wants for you. And, you know, I think a lot of people at that point, we kind of just check out and say, well, that's because Jesus is basically a prude. Jesus doesn't want me to have fun. And, you know, I can tell you not, uh, I I can tell you that's not true, but why would you listen to me? You know, I I never met Jesus. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago. So why did you listen to the people who lived and breathed and walked around and saw Jesus face to face? What did they say about Jesus? Did they say he was a prude? No. That's not the impression he gave people when he was on earth. His critics called him a drunkard and a glutton a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Jesus hung out with all kinds of people who were morally compromised. And more importantly, they hung out with him. Jesus was no prude. Jesus did not want to spoil people's fun. Jesus knows that you want sex because God made you that way. God invented sex. It's his idea. He approves of it. And more than that, Jesus knows you want love and companionship. You want someone to share your life with. You want intimacy. You want someone you can be unafraid around. That's what, that's what intimacy actually means. It means to be unafraid. Jesus knows you want a helper. And particularly if you have children, Jesus knows how important it is that you have one. God knows these things, Jesus tells us. God knows them because he made us that way. This is baked in to who we are as people. God knows the things we long for, and God desires to satisfy our longings. But the question is always, do you trust me? Not, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe some things about Jesus? The question is, do you trust him? Are you willing to lean your life against the things that he teaches? Are you willing to lean your life against what Jesus says is good and true and right? Some of us say, well, I can't because it's too late. See, I've already made a mess of my life. You know, it was in college, we were living together, and, you know, I haven't seen my kid in 20 years. I've already made a mess of my life. It's too late for me. I'm already divorced. We're already separated. We live in the same house, but the marriage is dead. And we want Jesus to say, well, in your case, it's okay. Don't worry about it. But instead, what Jesus says is I forgive you. Jesus says, not what we expect. We expect Jesus to echo our culture and say, well, you did your best, or you did the best you could given the circumstances, and it didn't work out, and now you just need to move on. And Jesus says, no, it is a big deal. There is no part of your life that is more important than this. It is a big deal but I bring you forgiveness. And more than that, 
I am in the resurrection business. My specialty is taking dead things and bringing them back to life. So, are you open to the idea that God loves you and wants the best for you? That God can forgive every sin you've ever committed and that God can bring healing to all the places where you've been hurt. But because God loves you, he is unwilling to give you anything but the best. We are so influenced by our culture. I mean, really, we are part of our culture. And we're so influenced by our culture that at a place like this, we say, yes, but it's so old-fashioned. It's so quaint what Jesus talks about. But, you know, it wasn't when Jesus said it. When Jesus said it, it was revolutionary. In fact, it was literally revolutionary. Turn to the previous page in your Bible. Look at the end of chapter 4. Matthew tells us why Jesus began his preaching ministry in Galilee. The reason was because his cousin, John the Baptist, had been preaching in Judea, and John the Baptist got in Herod's business. John the Baptist said, Herod, you must not divorce her, and you certainly should not marry her. And Herod said, I'm the king. Nobody tells me what to do. And besides, who are you to get in my business? This is a private matter. This is personal. So he threw John in jail because what John was saying was revolutionary. If we read the account in Mark, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Jesus goes around the countryside healing and teaching. And what do people say? Do they say, that's so old-fashioned? No, they say, a new teaching with authority. Jesus is not old-fashioned. Jesus is revolutionary. Even in the passage we've been looking at, Jesus says, you know what old-fashioned is. You know what the scriptures have always been taught to say. You know it was said of old. But I tell you something new. There's nothing old-fashioned about what Jesus has to say. Jesus' teaching is revolutionary, and it has changed the world. The teaching of Jesus has increased the status of women beyond anything the ancient world ever saw. And it strengthened the family. When Christians began to put into practice what Jesus had to say, they outlawed infanticide. And they began adopting orphans. And if what Jesus says seems old-fashioned, it is because it transformed the ancient world. The scriptures are packed, literally packed, with teaching about relationships, about sexuality, and about marriage. And this teaching and the God who stands behind it can transform your relationships, can transform your marriage, can transform your life. But the question remains, can you believe that what God offers is the best?
Do you trust him? God does not want you to settle for mediocre relationships. God isn't like our culture. Our culture that says, do your best and keep experimenting until you find out what works. God says, you don't have to guess. But it's not a menu either. You don't get to pick. Do you trust God in this most personal and private area? Do you trust what Jesus says? God wants your best. God will heal what is broken in you. God will give you a great future. And my prayer is that as Christians respond in faith, that the faithfulness of God will not only transform their lives, but it will transform society, that people who don't know anything about God or Jesus will look at us as they looked at our predecessors 2,000 years ago. They will look at us and say, I don't understand that God of theirs, I don't understand Jesus, I don't understand any of that, but I wish that my marriage was like that one. That they will look at us and say, I don't understand anything about, you know, seven days of creation. I don't understand all that stuff. But I sure wish my daughter would marry a Christian man. I sure wish my son could find a Christian wife. What Jesus teaches is not old-fashioned. It is transforming. And if we will trust in God's faithfulness, it will transform us and may transform our society. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that Jesus was not a timid preacher, that Jesus tackled the deepest parts of our personal lives. But more than that, Lord, we thank you that you are a good God who desires only the best for us, who knows what we've done wrong and still desires only the best and will not encourage us to settle for anything less. So, Lord, we pray you would increase our faith that we can lean into your faithfulness, that we might find our own lives transformed and that we might be part of the work you are doing in society. We pray all this through Christ our Lord. Amen.